I'm Rebecca Achanga Julia Bushell, and I was the first black woman to swim for Great Britain. I'm a former British champion and world number one, but I quit the sport just before the 2012 Olympic Games at just 17. I'll be navigating you through the waters of my swimming world, as I remember it and as it exists now. In hosting this series, I'll also tell you more about my story whilst we explore a question I've often been asked. Why do we swim? In creating this series, I've been privileged to speak to some incredible people, including Saren Jones, Alice Deering, and Colin Jones, many of whom I'm lucky enough to call my friends. All with their own stories and rich, unique relationships to swimming and the water. In a series like this, we can't always use every part of an interview, but we felt like these interviews were too good not to be heard in full. And so, we're releasing these as bonus episodes for you to dive deeper. Alice Deering is a Team GB athlete and the first black woman to represent Team GB at an Olympic Games. And so, our histories are entwined forever. This was an interview of firsts, and we share that unique identity always. Hey. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Alice Deering. I'm a Team GB marathon swimmer. And yeah, I guess my relationship to water is I swim. I swim a lot and it's been a huge part of my life and always will be. Okay, I'm interested in two parts of that. I want to start with marathon swimmer because I feel like that's a new title, right? Like when people were first doing long distance swimming and long distance swimming first became a part of the Olympics, um, it was called just that. So. When did you become a marathon swimmer by name and how do you feel about it? Uh, yeah, so it used to always be open water swimming um, mm. and Fina World Aquatics have kind of rebranded it as marathon swimming. And I always think it, it sounds quite cool. Like it's like marathon swimming and everyone's like, oh my God, what's that? And I'm like, oh, it's a 10K. And they're like, oh my God. <laughs> and so it just has this like air of importance, maybe. <laughs> sounds really arrogant. But uh, no. it's a flex. I think it's a flex. <laughs> There's a lot of power to that. I mean, especially because it's just not a marathon, right? No. <laughs> it's a swimming marathon, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, my God. No, if I was actually swimming a marathon distance, I would not be doing it. That's way too far. <laughs> yeah, I think that actually would be too far. Yeah, I could never swim anything over 100 meters. So like 10K, I think it's quite, it's quite impressive. It's quite impressive. Okay, we're going to talk about the distance and what it feels like to undertake that a little bit more <laughs> before we talk about the beginning and how you started swimming I was interested in what you said in your intro about the fact that swimming will always be a big part of your life what do you mean by that and and I guess why so I I guess because I've managed to make it a career now I've been able to swim for Britain I've devoted so much of my life to swimming and effort put in the water that it's like an inescapable part of me now, for better or for worse. I don't know. Like, I don't know my life without it, and I never will know my life without it. Do you hear that, that, that time when you can see your life diverging down two paths, and looking back on it, you know that's what was happening, but at the time, you had no idea. You just make the choice which is best for you at the time. That's kind of what happened to me. So I got an opportunity to go to the Royal Wolverhampton School. I got given a scholarship when I was 11 years old, and... I took that opportunity. I think if I hadn't taken that opportunity, my life probably would have gone down a different path, whether that would have been better or worse or the same, I don't know. But choosing to be able to swim and study alongside each other was 
quite it's quite a big moment for uh, and, and you will know this exactly as well like you, you've we've done the same thing you know I do sometimes wonder like what if I hadn't chosen to go to that school and stayed at my school back in Oldbury stayed at City of Birmingham Swimming Club would have had a very different life basically so going off on that tangent I've just realized that it is a huge part of me now especially the the doors that I've opened and the conversations that I've I've been involved with it, it is mm. it will always be with me and I'm I'm really proud of that actually like it, it's given me so much so I'm, I'm kind of I'm happy to take it with me the whole way <laughs> I think it feels really inescapable as well I like that you use that word you know for 10 years I kind of felt like I could run away and reinvent myself and get away from this part of my life that was spent in the water and it's been strange kind of I guess both reclaiming that version of myself but also learning that I can't and that I won't ever get away from it it's never going to be something that I can rub out or rub off and yeah I think it's learning to kind of live with that and as you said for better or for worse you know we'll always be swimmers oh can I just say I sorry I've just thanks for thanks for coming forward and talking about your story because I wondered for the longest time where you'd gone honestly like I remember seeing you and then I remember not seeing you and I was always like where'd she go and then Seren told me about you and I was like that's that girl I was like that's that girl I just want to say thanks for coming forward thanks for speaking because it ain't easy and you know like you didn't have to like neither of us had to like have these conversations you know you could sit back I suppose be comfortable in a certain way but I sound like I'm like gassing this up. I'm proud of us. <laughs> I know. I know. And I think that, I mean, let's jump forward into that. I guess what's interesting about our relationship is that we are so unique in this country in terms of what we did in the sport. And then exactly as you say now, what we're doing for the sport. So Alice, obviously, as everyone listening to this should bloody well know, was the first black woman to swim for Team GB at an Olympic Games. And that happened in 2021. I think that what was really interesting about that time was the context within which you were doing that, right? Like this was against the backdrop of the re-eruption of the BLM movement. Yeah. This was within the context of everybody suddenly being, I guess, encouraged to listen to a conversation about race where before it was much easier to kind of lean out of it, especially when it came to a sport like swimming, which is predominantly white. Until that moment, how did you feel about race? And like, was there was there a part of you that was disheartened or were you somebody who didn't want to necessarily engage with it or make it part of your performance identity? Yeah, it's a difficult one. Uh, so talking about BLM, when it first like kind of kicked back off, because I felt, I felt like we'd had these moments consistently Everyone was like, oh, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. And I was like, but I swear we had this a couple of years ago. And I felt like- 2015. Right? Yeah. I felt like I was having a fever dream. Honestly, I was so confused. I was like, like obviously, George Floyd, huge catalyst for it. But I was kind of like, but this has happened before. Not that I shouldn't care now, but I felt so desensitized to this movement again. And obviously it's a huge part of my identity. But basically what I'm trying to say is I didn't trust that it was genuine. I didn't trust that what was happening was actually going to have a genuine impact because I'd seen it before, nothing had changed. And we, we were there five years later with the same issues. And I was kind of like, but I swear we've, I swear we've tried to address this and no one's tried. So, but I, I suppose in terms of me and swimming with race, 
I've always just like protected myself in a way that I've like closed off. I put myself in a bubble. I kind of spoke about it a little bit with my family. My mum, who is, so I'm mixed race. My mum's black, my dad's white. And me and my mum rarely spoke about race with swimming. And I actually think it was the best approach for me because it is really white. It is really white. That's, that's a blatant fact of it. And I think when you start to look into it and understand the potential racial undertones or the little comments here and there, when you start to piece them together, especially as a little girl growing up, you know, I got into the sport competitively aged eight from Birmingham. So really diverse area. So at school, right, everyone's just, everyone mixed with everything really nice went to swimming there was still some there was still a mix but very much like dialed down and um just to not have to think about it I think is a blessing and then when I got to about 22 years old I realized that I felt mature enough to start having these conversations and start mm. speaking about this openly because I've always been a black woman I've always been a black girl I've been a swimmer since I was eight I could have had these conversations when I was like 15 16. I don't right. think I would have had the maturity and the emotional development to talk about this without getting over emotional. And I still get emotional about it now. Don't get me wrong; it's it's part. It's who I am. I'm I'm seeing black people not swimming like for through whatever's happened to us in the past, and I get emotional about it. But I think I'm able to convey it in a way that people actually listen to, rather than mm. driving them away with what can seem like over-emotional response because I've realized that people don't respond to that. It's a tough place being a black woman because I get emotional. I get angry sometimes at training. I I think people are like a bit scared of me at training. I don't know why, (laughs) but I've realized you've got to be careful how you portray yourself, especially as a black woman. I just, I guess I'm a bit hyper-conscious of that. And that's why it took me so long to kind of have these conversations. But then equally, I'm really fortunate that I'm in a place where I can have these conversations whilst I'm still competing. 20 years ago, absolutely no chance I would have been given the platform or scope or response or respect that I've been given now. People are listening. People want to listen and people care, or I truly believe they do anyway. And I have been given those platforms, which I'm really grateful for and will keep using to amplify my message, the BSA's message, to just get more people in the water. And I think I'm just fortunate I'm in a time and place where it is acceptable for me to speak about it. Yeah. And that I want to speak about it at the same time. I mean, God, there's so much to unpack there. Our own racial history and being like the angry black woman. And it's so Mm. easy to kind of be painted into that corner when you are the only person, you know, on Paul's side, who is? Who is a black woman? I guess what I'm most interested in as a starting point is how you have the kind of foresight and I guess the support system and the necessary ingredients and tools to know that you we're not ready to kind of have that conversation at an early age because when I was 15, 16, that's the only conversation that people were having and they were having it about me. What's interesting about the way that you've dealt with race and your position as an elite athlete, as a swimmer, is that you're owning that conversation and you're in charge of your narrative. And that's something that I think is really powerful. And that's something I think that allows you to stay in the sport and do what you need to do as a competitor, but also be additive in the political discourse of race and use your position important, you know, your important position to really affect change. And I think that I never really had that opportunity because I was too young. 
So I'm wondering, how did you know when was the right time? I'm sorry you had your agency taken away from you like that, because I think for me that, that was the thing I wanted to be able to control my own narrative from the get-go. And I was quite fortunate, I suppose. I was probably really lucky with being an open water slash marathon swimmer as well. It's much more low-key, we're much more in the background, less less of the limelight. You're doing like, you did 100 meters, right? Like, that. that's like... The, the event the event yeah yeah it's, it is isn't it it's the one it's the one that I suppose I'm not trying to dis- be dismissive of my event I love it I do it for a reason but typically pool swimming and especially the shorter distances do get more of the limelight that's just how it works so I think I was quite lucky I was able to work through my junior career and then move into the senior career and just stay quite low-key and also to be honest I haven't been like top 10 top 8 at world championships yet that's what I'm working towards. I want to be one of the best. I want to be competing the best. But in terms of like competitive results, I think again, that probably helped me where people were just like, oh, there's a, there's a black girl swimming, but right, and then, you know, we'll, we'll see how she gets on. So, um, <laughs> like, I think I, 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 that's honestly, I'm, I'm really grateful for it. I'm like, <laughs> because um, my mum always said to me, she, she, she was always like maybe a little bit superstitious in terms of, just didn't want me to be in the limelight yet or didn't want me to have that kind of added pressure onto myself because um like we're talking about 15 16 year old girls here like we're girls like children yeah children and i look back and you always think you're really mature at that time you always think you like you know what you've got going on you're doing gcse's or you've got a levels next year hey you're so young it's frightening that there are adults around you that potentially don't respect that and mm. that's why I'm saying I'm sorry that you lost your agency with that because I I guess I was very fortunate that I was able to take control of my narrative from the get-go. I started speaking about swimming and race. I like I, I used Galden magazine, gave me an opportunity to tell my story in my own words first. And I put that out there 2019 um, summer. Didn't expect anything from it, to be honest. I just wanted to tell my story. If people cared, they cared. Great. If not, at least I tried. And um, they cared. I was really surprised, um, <laughs> to be honest. And I had like some interviews off the back of that. That's how I first got in touch with Saren. She saw that article or someone saw that article and then it was passed on to her and it, it helped me become a co-founder of BSA. So I started to speak out because my boyfriend and my dad told me I should. <laughs> and for context, these are two white men and I, I was a bit like, I don't know, really? And they were like, yeah, just go for it. You know, protect yourself, do what you can. And I'm grateful they did. For the people who don't know, you co-founded the Black Swimming Association in 2020. I mean, the title in and of itself is pretty explicit. <laughs> but can you just tell us a little bit about what the VSA is and what, what its aims are? And then we can talk a little bit about why you kind of founded it and, and how you got involved. The BSA is just looking to get everybody and anybody swimming. And yes, it is called the Black Swimming Association, but that is where we believe we need to put our efforts at the moment to the Black and Asian communities, to people who have been told swimming's not for them, who believe swimming's not for them, who have, in some cases, been pushed into other sports, are told that their bones are too dense to swim, to float, that, oh my God, I had one woman one time tell me that a, a swimming teacher told her that she couldn't swim because black people had like heavy bottom and hips and they sink in the water and 
she was like, I didn't really believe it. So I got in and taught myself to swim. And I was like, good for you. Like, that's, I'm so happy to hear that. But then for every person that they didn't believe it and they went and taught themselves to swim, there'll be three or four people who do believe it. And why, why wouldn't you believe the swimming teacher? You know, they're, they're, they're the person in the institution. They understand what's happening. And you probably think, okay, it's not for me. I'll just stay away from water. We want to stop that. We want to combat those issues, get education and knowledge in and get black people swimming and Asian people and feeling comfortable in the water and also basic water safety because that is that is a huge factor of the BSA now is making sure people have basic water safety to protect themselves in and around water. It's amazing how racist mythologies um, and narratives that we think are, you know, harmful to people's emotional well-being, harmful to you know, somebody's ability to kind of go far in the sport. I mean, that's what people always ask me, you know, they're like, was it hard to succeed because there were all of these people telling you that black people couldn't swim? And I was like, well, I could swim. So that obviously wasn't the problem. (laughs) Um, But I think what's interesting is the way that these things take a hold of a society through its institutions, through power structures, and they create imbalances that in this instance actually result in death. And so what's really important is to highlight and acknowledge the fact that this isn't just a mythology that is, you know, making people feel bad or sad. This is something that is threatening people's lives. What would success look like for you in terms of the BSA's impact? I want everyone swimming. I want everyone happy in water. You don't have to love it. You don't have to want to go to the Olympics. You don't want to have to swim for your country or whatever. Just being able to survive basically in water if you need to. It is that black and white, sadly. If you don't know how to swim and you fall in water, you probably aren't going to survive. I hate that I have to sell swimming like that. I want to sell it as, you know, it's great for your mental health. It's a great activity. It can be, it's such a great lifestyle. But at its base level, it is a basic life skill. And we should be encouraging people to get into it because of that. And you, again, you don't have to you don't have to want to swim the channel. Just basic water safety is so important. And yeah, I want everyone to swim. <laughs> Speaking of financial issues, you talked a little bit earlier about this school that you went to that was involved with a swimming club and that that wraparound program was the thing that really first allowed you to get into, to, to really understand what competitive swimming could yeah. look like. And you were 11 when you went there. So I was 13 when I went to Plymouth College and it was a really similar setup. So I know I know what that means for how far you can go in the sport if you have that that opportunity. So you're 11 years old and you're kind of at this sliding doors moment and you go to this school and this is the kind of first raindrop and then flash forwards to 2020 and you're an Olympian and it's that's the thunderstorm. What enticed you to competing in the first place? I feel like it was something you just did trained and then we raced so it just I I don't know like he trained to race I suppose so it just felt like well I've done all this training I might as well go race the first competition that I ever did was like a club championships and I remember being really competitive actually so I'm trying to play off like I'm not competitive right now but I remember being really competitive we're doing a 25 breaststroke or a 33 meter breaststroke so it was a 33 meter pool and I was like looking over at the other girl next to me and uh, my mum was like you kept looking at her and I was like did I like I don't remember doing that like I, I thought I was just racing and I just kept like looking I guess I, I got an enjoyment of it through, through then I remember winning a couple of the races and getting seconds and thirds and I got my county time and then 
I was like, okay, I want to get my regional time. So I want to get my regional time. And then I wanted to get a national time. So I want to go national time. And I think that was the thing for me. I was just like, what's the next level? I was fortunate enough to be able to take it to the Olympics. You know, I believe everyone has their Olympics and your Olympics might be counties. That's great. Good for you. Some people's Olympics is an Olympic final. Great. That's amazing for them. I always wondered what my Olympics would be, basically. And I've been fortunate enough to make it an Olympic Games. And I just want to make it, try and make it another Olympic Games as well. <laughs> but for me, it was always about trying to get to the next level. I never really looked at swimming and thought, I want to go to the Olympics. It was always like, I mm. want to get nationals. Okay, I want to get European juniors because I've seen that that's a really cool place to go. Oh, I've made a junior team. Let's try and make a senior team. It's just kind of like a snowball effect. It's funny how many swimmers... I speak to, and this was definitely my experience as well. You know, people are like, so did you always want to go to the Olympics? You know, it's like, I think it's something you think about when you're kind of six or seven and you watch the Olympics at home with your parents and, you know, you're sporty or you're swimming and you think, oh, maybe I'm going to go to them. But actually, when you get into the sport, that's not really what it's about on the day to day. And it's not what it's about at the beginning of your career, right? I think it's, it's a big misunderstanding about the nature of sport and the nature of competing is that, you know, when you start and the way to train that much is because you love it. And it's 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 to challenge yourself to go beyond what you thought you were capable of, as you said, to go to the next place and the place after that. So I guess I'm wondering, because obviously I was a sprinter and I had to probably swim around the world a couple of times in my swimming career, but you actually do marathon swimming. What does it take? <laughs> what does it take to swim that far? It takes a lot of mental fortitude. Is that the right word? Like mental strength. Absolutely. Just resilience. I'm stubborn. I'm very, very stubborn. That's why I'm still going. I'm, I'm seen as old in the sport. I'm 26. So if it's not too old for marathon swimming, but in terms of like swimming in Britain, it's quite old. I think I've got more to give, so I'm still going. And I see opportunities where people might not want to take them and might not want to give that a go. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go do it. Um, marathon swimming probably wouldn't be my first pick, being completely honest. But it's taken me around the world, literally around the world. I've swam in so many cool places. I've met so many cool people. It's opened so many doors for me that I feel like I would have been stupid to say no to these opportunities. My first open water experience was absolute hell. It took me really long to finish it. it. was a marathon swim. It was the first time I'd ever been in water, in open water, sorry. And it was freezing. And I hated it. And I got out and said I'd never do it again. Mm. But they were like, oh, well, you finished the race, so we'll take you to European Juniors where it's only a 5K and the water's much warmer and it's in Turkey. And I was like, I get a free trip to Turkey. Okay. Yeah. I was like, why not? Like, Why wouldn't I? And I went there, I won it, and I was kind of like, okay, this is a genuine opportunity for you. I, d I wasn't even thinking Olympics at this point. I was just thinking I get to travel the world swimming and I, I don't mind it. Like, I, I, like, it's hard. It's a really tough physical effort. I'm going through hell. You're swimming through jellyfish. The water's salty. It can be cold. It can be hot. But it's worth every bit of pain. It's worth every bit of discomfort for the stuff that I get out of it and for the enjoyment that I get from it in another way. I'm a big believer of sacrifice in that way if you can cope with those sacrifices. But if you can't, you need to know when to like take a step back and rest because nothing is worth your sanity, to be quite honest. 
it's a very perverse thing. Swimming can be great for your mental health and also being an elite athlete can be one of the worst things for your mental health. How do you balance that out? There's this obvious health benefit to open water swimming, but is that just recreational? Yeah, this this one is always a really interesting contrast for me because I love swimming, but I also hate it at the same time. It's, it's a real polarization of this is one of my favorite places to be. It's always going to be a part of my life, but equally... I really don't want to be here right now. I'd rather be in bed. I'd rather be seeing my friends. I'd rather be traveling. I'd rather be doing anything else. <laughs> I've, I know I've been saying like I don't enjoy swimming, blah, 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 like that. But I do enjoy it. But sometimes just like, I mean, can you enjoy swimming 60K a week? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm loving it. But sometimes I just, I wish the meters were a little bit shorter. <laughs> I completely, completely agree. I mean, I think... You know, people always ask you, like, do you count the tiles on the bottom of the pool? And you're like, God, I wish it was that interesting. <laughs> there are some sessions that are just completely mind-numbing and you you kind of push through it. You got into this sport in quite a specific way and you've obviously had your own battles to stay in the sport. Um, but mostly it feels like that those are battles that you've kind of fought with yourself. Um, as a role model and as somebody with this historic title that, you know, no one's ever going to take away from you. What do you think needs to change for the sport to be more accessible to people like us? It needs to be cheaper. And I know that's so, so easy said, so hard done. But I just, something's got to be cheaper somewhere at some point because the price does affect everybody. I know we're missing out on so much talent because swimming clubs are expensive. Pool fees are expensive. Obviously, just keeping the lights on for swimming pools at the moment is expensive. I just I want money. I want money into the communities. I want people to be able to experience water for the first time. And there are a lot of people who haven't. And you never know what fire you're going to ignite in someone when they first get in the water. There could be like a six-year-old girl who hasn't swam yet. And she might realize that that's the, that's the little bit of something that she's been missing. And that's quite deep for a six-year-old. But you never know. She might have an epiphany or something. And the same could be said for an 80-year-old. They could be missing that experience too. You know, that's why there's been so few of us. And I think that it feels like a real weight and responsibility to be asked these questions. I remember when I was, you know, 15, 16, um, and I was the first black woman to swim for Great Britain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people would ask me, so, you know, what are we going to do? And I was like, I'm 16. I don't fucking know what we're going to do. Like, I... <laughs> Um, and so, you know, I think there's a real weight that you carry when you carry that title, when you become the first and it's, it, it can be isolating and it can be lonely. And those are my words, but I wonder how you feel about the title, the first black woman to swim for Great Britain at the Olympics. What does it feel like to carry that? What does it mean to you? It's a real bittersweet. It's a real like, okay, you know, we've broken a barrier collectively, people have like push through you know my success is the combination of so many people's time and effort over so many years so um there's a lot of people who helped me get to that point but at the same time I'm kind of like it's sad that it has to be a thing it's that thing of like, I'm really proud to be a black woman and then it's sad that we're at a point where it does have to be made a fuss of to be quite honest like I'm really proud of it don't get me wrong but it would have been nice if it was just like, not a thing. And it sounds really contradictory saying it because 
I've been able to have the most amazing experiences and most amazing conversations by it being a thing. And I wouldn't change that for the world, but I would change it if it meant that black people weren't pushed away from swimming or didn't see swimming as something that wasn't for them, if that makes sense. Like, it's a real, like, there's so many, there's a mix of emotions going on with it where I feel pride, but then also shame because I'm like, why do I have to identify that publicly? Obviously, I'm a black woman. It's so obvious, but why does it have to be in my title? Do you know what I mean? Why do you have to, yeah, yeah. Why do you have to, why do you have to kind of stand up and be counted? And and do you get to just be a swimmer like everybody else? I mean, I think you know, I wear my blackness on my skin and I'm, I'm, I'm never not going to. It's something that you can't get away from. But I think a lot of people get to move through the world with less weight on yes. their shoulders and they get to move through the world silently and unwatched and undisturbed. And so I mm-hmm. think it adds another layer of complication to this already really difficult thing mm-hmm. that you have to do being mixed race because we're both mixed race. And that comes with it, you know, its own complicated relationship to blackness. So you know, you have this title of the first black woman and you come from a mixed race family. What does that feel like? Do you have thoughts about how those two things interact? Yeah, man, this is difficult because sometimes I'm like, am I a phony? Am I taking this away from a darker skin sister? It's okay. it's a real tough one. And I never, I never spoke about this actually. Like, cause you get it, you get it, don't you? We're, like we have a very shared lived experience that only the two of us have, which is so crazy to say out loud. But um, I don't ever want to take something away from a darker skinned girl because the whole thing of colorism and misogynoir is a serious issue. It's a weird contrast where it's like, I could stay silent, but then I don't know if that would be more harmful to black people by staying silent. Do you know what I mean? I like to think by me having these conversations, I'm I'm helping black people positively. And I am a black woman. I am, but then the the, the 50%, 50 percent could say otherwise. So it's um it is such an interesting one, and we're only going to see more and more mixed race people move through society as well. I think that's what's so interesting. It, it's like a fleeting thought where it's like, oh no, like have I taken this from somebody else in the future? But then at the same time, they might not come through in the future if I didn't have these conversations. You know, beyond beyond the pool being mixed race. It sees you always occupy this space that's in between. And I think as I've gotten older, I've learned to accept that in some spaces as I stand between the institution and my community, like I am that conduit and I'm that mouthpiece and maybe I am the translator, the person who, you know, is in some rooms the acceptable face of diversity because I have lighter skin um, and because of the way I speak and because of the opportunity that was afforded me because of colorism and because of all of these racist structures and power imbalances that exist but I think you know if you get to sit at a table it's your job to use your voice for the people who don't yeah right and I think that that's what you're doing and you should be proud of yourself for that we're all proud of you thank you thanks oh this has been like therapy honestly it's been so so good talking to you because I like we probably need to have like a longer conversation at some point honestly like I think we need to have about 5,000 longer conversations. (laughs) Okay, so here's the last question before I let you go. What does it feel like to be in the water? It just feels natural to me. It feels like where I'm meant to be. Sometimes it feels terrifying. Other times it feels relaxing. Sometimes it feels like hell. 
but throughout the consistency throughout that is it feels like where I'm meant to be it feels like home in a, in a certain way yeah comfort in discomfort like you said <laughs> that's perfect I do hope you've enjoyed the conversation please go back and check out the other episodes in the series as we journey to the heart of swimming I'll see you next time